We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packer fans? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today, I'm going to be kicking off a brand new three-part series. We're going to be ranking the Packers from 91 to number one. And I know it's listicle season, and I know soon we're going to be going over the top 100 NFL players, I'm sure. And like all of these things are going to start happening. But I figured it'd be fun to go through every single Green Bay Packer from number 91 all the way down to number one and try to rank them as best as I can at this point as we head into training camp. So today is going to be number 91 through number 61. Then we'll do number 60 to 31 tomorrow, and then 30 to number one on Friday. So that's what you can look for to these next three days. I know this is the bottom of the roster first, so this is going to be probably the, I don't know, let's just say it's going to be the toughest, like 30 to get through, but I'm going to try to make it as entertaining as possible just for you with as many notes and things that I can just go over from these top, you know, these bottom 30, I guess, players on the roster. And I still think there's some really interesting names to go over here. So let's kick things off right away with number 91, who is maybe the most interesting player on the roster, and that's Kenneth Odomegwu. And 
Kenneth is coming over from the International Pathway Program, and he is still learning the game of football. So he has a lot of talent and like, let's just say raw athleticism. Let's put it that way, right? And he has like the the rugby background and like he's played sports clearly, but he has not been a anywhere near a professional football player. So this is all still relatively new to him. And he has a long way to go to really make it in the NFL as an actual 53-man roster player. However, he is really battling against himself for a potential roster spot. And what I mean by that is Green Bay has the ability to keep an extra practice squad player on their roster from the International Pathway Program, specifically Kenneth Odomegwu. Now, they do not have to keep him. They would have to pay him, and it would come out of the salary cap if they do want to keep him as an extra practice squad player. The cost is minimal. But if he shows any sign of anything whatsoever, he basically just automatically gets that extra practice squad spot. If he doesn't, they release him. They save a little bit of money. It's like 110000 something like that. They save a little bit of money and they don't. They can't replace him in any way. And the big benefit here for teams is they get an extra guy in the locker room. And that may not seem like a lot, but what it does do is it gives you an extra player for practice. It gives you an extra player for special teams. It gives you an extra player for scout team. It just gives you another body to work with. And that may not seem like a lot to start the season, but as you get to week 11 and 12 and you've got 10 guys that are out with injuries and you're trying to put together practices and keep guys fresh, having extra bodies in your locker room matters. So Kenneth Odomegwu has about 0.0% chance of making the 53-man roster. He doesn't have any chance of making the normal 16-man practice squad because there'd be no reason for him to actually be on that, but he has a very strong chance of actually being one of the 70 players that Green Bay can actually keep on their roster because they do get that one extra player due to the International Pathway Program, and that one player in all likelihood will be Kenneth Odomegwu. So Unless they feel like there is zero reason to keep him on the roster and they don't want to pay $110,000, ish thousand dollars whatever it ends up being, he will be on this team. In fact, there is a very strong bet. If you were to like rank players from like most likely to least likely to be on the like 70-man roster in some capacity, Odomegwu is actually probably fairly high on the list of likely to make the team simply because they gain almost nothing by not having him on the roster. So he's probably going to be on the roster in some capacity in that extra practice squad spot, but his odds of making an impact, his odds of being on the 53, his odds of getting activated, his odds of actually being a really good football player this year, very, very minimal. But you will probably see his name on the roster through the entirety of this season if I were willing to put a bet down on it right now. All right, the next, I don't know, nine players, I'm not going to go through in great detail. The honest truth is, I didn't get a chance to see a ton of them in rookie minicamp. I did go out and watch their undrafted or their their tape from college as undrafted free agents. I watched a little bit of them here and there. It's not enough to make any sort of determination at this point. So number 90, I'm going to say is Jadakis Bonds. That was the one player I didn't see a ton out of at minicamp where I was actually able to watch a little bit of them and just wasn't overly impressed. 89, I'm going Antonio Moultrie. 88, Chuck Filagia. Uh, Moultrie, defensive tackle. Filagia is an offensive lineman. 
Jimmy Phillips is a linebacker. Jason Luan at 86, defensive lineman. Keyshawn Banks is an off-ball or an outside linebacker, excuse me, at 85. 84 is DJ Scaife for safe. Uh, 83 is Tyrell Ford, the safety. 82 is William Hooper, the cornerback. So those are my first nine on the list. Odomegwu, Bonds, Moultrie, Falagia, Phillips, Luan, Banks, Scaife, Ford, and Hooper. So my top, or my bottom 10, I should say. All right, from there, it gets a little bit more interesting. At number 81 on my list, I am going Henry Pearson. And Henry Pearson is the only real fullback on the roster. Now, you know, Josiah DeGuara has that H-back, fullback, kind of tight end mentality, and he can play a little bit in that role as well. When they've broken out into different position groups, it has been Henry Pearson and Josiah DeGuara as the quote-unquote fullbacks. Henry Pearson's role on this roster, his, like, his chance to make the roster, is through Josiah DeGuara. So basically what would have to happen is Pearson would have to have a phenomenal training camp and show that he is just a better fullback, just a pure better fullback than Josiah DeGuara, and maybe even a equal, probably at least a equal special teams player. If they all of a sudden thought, hey, Musgrave is tight end one, Tucker Craft is tight end two, Tyler Davis is tight end three, and we don't really need a tight end four, and Josiah DeGuara is kind of a little bit of that anyway, what we need is really a blocker in the backfield. And if we're just comparing apples to apples of who's the better fullback, could Henry Pearson be better than Josiah DeGuara? Maybe. I, like I said, I don't see that happening, but that would be his pathway. If he could find a way to outplay Josiah DeGuara as a pure fullback and just be better than him in that role, be better than him at special teams, now you've got a rookie undrafted fullback who has some advantages over a year, you know, a year, what, four tight end, who's in the last year of his contract, who's an unrestricted free agent next year. I don't expect any of this to happen, but if you told me that it happened, that would be the pathway for it to actually happen. In all likelihood, Pearson's going to have to show his way on special teams and show that he has the ability to maybe be a actual serviceable fullback in the league. And if he can do that, then there's a possibility that he could make it onto the 16-man practice squad. That's what you're probably looking at with Henry Pearson. Number 80 on my list is Benny Sapp. When I first got to rookie minicamp, all right, very first day, you're seeing the, all of these rookies, undrafted guys, tryout guys, draft picks, all of them for the very first time, had the opportunity up close to see Benny Sapp. And I'm like, oh, this guy's a little bit interesting. He's got, I think he's only like 5'10", 200, but he looked the part. Like he had that mentality of like just one of those special teams guys that's going to be like, you know, that Rich Passaccia is going to like fall in love with. I just kind of liked his mentality. I liked to, you know, like, like, like the look of the player. That was like the, my instant gut reaction to Benny Sapp. Haven't really seen anything out of him since that would give me any inkling that he has the actual opportunity to make like a 53-man roster. However, let's just put it this way, right? Safety is completely and totally up for grabs. Everything is there. Like if you told me any of these guys ended up at starting safety, sure. It's totally believable. If you told me any of these guys outside of Savage, who's just on that guaranteed contract and you can't really release him outside of him, like any of these safeties could eventually get cut. And that's what, like, whether you're a veteran like Jonathan Owens, Dallin Levitt, Rudy Ford, Tavares Moore, or you're a undrafted free agent rookie like Benny Sapp, the opportunity is there. And if you want to go make the most of it, you have every right at your disposal to go out and say, hey, I could make this team as a safety, at, first of all, in the 53-man roster. And then, hey, I could actually go out and get some snaps as well. So a long, long way to go for Benny Sapp, but there's an area for opportunity there with him. And I, like I said, I liked a little bit of what I saw on that first day rookie minicamp. Didn't really see much after that. 
Number 79 on my list is the forgotten running back on the roster. You've got Jones, you've got Dylan, you've got, uh, you know, you've obviously got uh, Lou Nichols as the, the drafted guy, Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor. And then you may have forgotten that Emmanuel Wilson is on the roster as well as an undrafted free agent running back. And one of the things that stands out, first of all, is that this is a 5'11", 226 pound running back, 226 pounds. That is not a small back. And what I saw out of Emmanuel Wilson is exactly what you want to see out of an undrafted free agent running back. A little bit of wiggle, a little bit of vision. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to make a ton of people miss in the open field, but he's got a little bit of something there. And sometimes it's those guys with great vision, a little bit of wiggle, some good weight behind them that, you know, and, and I actually kind of like the 5'10", 5'11 guys. They're a little bit tougher to see behind all those mammoth offensive linemen. I liked Emmanuel Wilson from what I saw in OTAs and mini camps. And I think his odds of making the 53 are really, really tough. Like, listen, you could go with only two running backs on this roster, first of all, with just Jones and Dylan, and then call up guys from the practice squad. I've talked about Tyler Goodson, really talented running back. Patrick Taylor's like sort of a jack of all trades and can do a little bit of everything. You know, Brian likes to keep his rookies. So Lou Nichols has a leg up there. And it's so like Emmanuel Wilson finding his way into the roster is really tough, but there's a little something there. I liked it. And I think he's going to probably have a few carries in preseason that make you kind of go, huh, maybe there's something there. Maybe he has an opportunity to make a practice squad. Number 78 is Broughton Hatcher. And yeah, Broughton Hatcher the second string long snapper at the moment. And I know, and I've talked about this a little bit in the past, Matt Orzik is going to make the team as the long snapper, right? So why isn't like Broughton Hatcher at number 90? Well, I know that Broughton, or I know that Matt Orzik, excuse me, got brought in as the veteran long snapper. I know that he got some guaranteed money, but as I've pointed out before, it's actually cheaper for the Packers to eat the guaranteed money for Orzik and keep Broughton Hatcher than it is to release Broughton Hatcher and keep Matt Orzik. And that may not seem like much to you, but what that means for Broughton Hatcher is that this is a legitimate competition. It means that it is cheaper to keep Hatcher. It means that he is younger. It means that he's probably you know more inexperienced and it's probably not maybe the better player right now. But if Hatcher goes out there and shows that it is even remotely close like you're like, ah, you know, Orzik might be a tad bit better, but Hatcher like is right there. Hatcher's going to win this job based on being younger and cheaper. So it's not nothing. And I overall, like it's within the realm of possibility that he can make this team as a long snapper. So what that means to you and where you want to rank Broughton Hatcher based on that information, I will leave it up to you. If you want to put him at number 91, be my guest. But I think he has a legitimate chance to make that roster. And that's why I moved him a little bit up at number 78. Number 77 is Deuce Watts. And had it not been for Malik Keith, like tearing things up at wide receiver as an undrafted free agent, I think we'd be talking a little bit more about Deuce Watts. I liked what I saw in many camps and OTAs. I, he's 6'1", 196. He has good size. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got good hands. He made a few catches that caught my eye during practice periods already. He, like his odds just behind all of those receivers, right? You've got Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. You've got Toure. You've got Jaden Reed. You've got Wicks. You've got Dubose. You've got Malik Heath. You've got Bo Melton. That's eight guys right there that are well ahead of Deuce Watts. So Watts is going to probably have to fight his way just to make it onto the practice squad. I think there's a really good chance that he does that though. I think he's talented enough to warrant a practice squad spot. And that's what you're looking at, right? 
you're going to keep 53 on the active roster. You're going to keep 16 on the practice squad and then your pathway player. Um, so like, that's what you're ultimately looking for is a guy that can find his way and make his way into a practice squad, maybe make a name for himself, maybe get better on special teams, maybe find his way due to a couple injuries onto the roster and then kind of go from there. I think Watts has that. It's of all the like camp darling wide receivers that we've gone through over the years. I'm not going to put him up there with a Tory Gurley or a Chaston West or any of those guys quite yet, but there's a little something there with Deuce, you know, Deuce Watts that I liked, and I think he's going to have a real opportunity to make a practice squad. Speaking of practice squad guys, uh, one of my favorite undrafted free agents from this group, outside of the, the two big ones, which are Malik Heath and Brenton Cox, is Kadeem Telford. This is a 6'7", 322-pound offensive tackle. And it, I was talking to Wes Hodkovitz about this, and a little spoiler alert, Wes is going to be on next week along with a bunch of special guests next week. But uh, I was talking to Wes Hodkovitz, and I was talking about like how, like, if you think of Telford as like this year's Caleb Jones, right? And I'm looking at, at Telford, I'm like, man, 6'7", 322, that is a big human being. And you see him at rookie minicamp and you're like, man, yeah, this is a big guy. This is another one of these Caleb Jones type prospects. And then Caleb Jones gets to OTAs and stands next to Telford and Jones just dwarfs Telford. Like you forget how mammoth, like 6'9", 370, 380 for Caleb Jones. He is massive. But I digress. Kadeem Telford, 6'7", 322, big dude, moves around pretty well, pretty good experience in college. This is a, this is a player that Green Bay is going to have to move on from some guys. Like they had 12 offensive linemen that are on this team right now that were on the 53 at some point a season ago. Like that is a lot of guys, right? So they're going to lose probably a couple of those guys. Now, maybe they get them back on the practice squad. They might have to release some players and all, you know, basically they could get claimed. Um, so that could happen. Like if they release a Royce Newman or a Jake Hansen, either of those guys could be like, yeah, I'm going to go try somewhere else if you're releasing me now. So they could lose some of those guys. So a next guy up in Kadeem Telford that could step in and be a practice squad guy, I think could actually be rather important for this team. So he's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. He's got great size. And I, I think he's got, a, you know, for his size, he's got some decent movement skills as well. He's a project, no doubt about it, but I'm putting Kadeem Telford at number 76 on my list. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, number 75 is Jeff Cotton. And yes, that is a real player on this roster. In fact, he is the, I believe, oldest, most veteran player of the Packers wide receiver, the ever so scrappy veteran Jeff Cotton. Uh, He actually had a couple of really nice down the field catches in practice. And he had good speed. So he missed a huge chunk. I think he missed like all of, I don't know if it was OTAs or whatever. And then it was like, I think the last practice that was open, I think he finally got out there. And maybe it was the last two. It doesn't matter. Either way. Like I was watching him in individuals and I'm like, oh, that guy's got some good speed. And he's like, he moves pretty well. And then he got into team drills, had a couple really nice catches down the field. And I'm like, okay, like this is really impressive. And then I go and I watch some of his preseason stuff. I forget which team it was for, if I'm being honest, but he had a, he had a preseason stint with a couple teams, if I remember correctly, but he had some really good highlights from his time in preseason from whatever team he was on. Like this is an interesting player. We talk about again, all these guys that are backed up behind your top eight wide receivers that are more likely to make the team. Like Jeff Cotton's odds of making the roster are extremely slim, but he caught my eye. Like when somebody catches your eye in individual drills, like that's a little bit different. Like a lot of players can make a play in, you know, team drills or whatever. But like when you notice something and are like, oh, that guy moves pretty well, like that that is a little something different. And then when you back it up and do it in team drills and then make a big play, that was enough for me again to go back and watch some of his preseason stuff, which was pretty impressive as well. So again, I, like path to the roster is really, really tough for Jeff Cotton, but he's a fun player and I'm excited to see what he can do in camp. All right, next up on my list uh, is Austin Allen. And uh, I loved him as an undrafted free agent coming out. Uh, he went to New York originally, super tall. I think he's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, seam tight end, good hands. Not a lot of run after the catch stuff, although he does have good speed and he really needs to figure out his way as a special teams player and as a blocker. But overall, this is somebody that I think has some you know potential to make the like practice squad as a developmental tight end. Still very young, still some upside there. It's just the blocking stuff. And again, we talk about like pathway to the roster. You've got, you know, your your top guy in Luke Musgrave. You've got Tucker Craft. Tyler Davis is a good bet. Josiah DeGuar is a good bet. And we're going to talk about another undrafted guy in just a little bit. If, in fact, the next one, spoiler alert. Um, so I think this group is pretty well-rounded, but Austin Allen still, there's some potential there. There's some talent there. And I think he could be a very interesting player as a practice squad guy for Green Bay. All right, next up on my list is Cameron McDonald. He's a little bit of like a B minus Josiah DeGuara. I like his energy. He can be moved around a little bit. He's got a little bit of juice after the catch. And he just kind of reminds me of that H-back fullback sort of type. Now, they haven't used him much at fullback. It's been more like H-back tight end for him. 
Let's just say I'm intrigued. And I would like earmark him as a real strong possibility as a practice squad guy going into this season. And if there is an injury to a Josiah DeGuar or a Tyler Davis, and for some reason a spot opens up and they want to keep that extra tight end, Austin Allen, Cameron McDonald, uh, both of those guys could very easily be in the conversation for keeping a spot if there's an injury early to one of the tight end spots. So he's another guy that has caught my eye a little bit as an undrafted free agent. All right, next up on the list is Gene DeLance. Gene DeLance is a player who was a top 30 visit last year during the during the 2022 draft. And Green Bay did not get him in as a undrafted free agent. Um, he ends up going to another team, ends up getting released. Green Bay picks him up, puts him on the practice squad, and he finishes the season out in Green Bay. I already told you there are 12 guys that were 53-man roster guys a season ago on this team right now. And then you've got all the undrafted guys. And then comes Gene DeLance, right? So his pathway is through the practice squad as well. And he'd have to make it on there for a second straight year. But we go back to those top 30 visits. These are guys that Green Bay is interested in for a reason. And then they brought him in and have a, a clear like for this player um, and have shown interest in him for a while. They finally get him on the practice squad. He'll now have a full off season in Green Bay to prove what he can do. Clearly somebody, Brian Gutekunst, uh, clearly somebody that Brian Gutekunst, you know, Brian Gutekunst had earmarked for some time. They finally got him on the roster and now we'll see what he can do. Easy for me to say. Uh, 72 on my list is actually I think 71, sorry, is Chris Slayton, defensive lineman, the darling of preseason a year ago. He made multiple plays during preseason. I think a lot of people thought he was going to make the 53. He never did, made the practice squad. I don't think he ever really got called up, maybe for a game or two, uh, but certainly nothing that really, uh, he never got in the game. I know that much. He didn't play any snaps on defense. I don't recall him being called up, um, but he's going to have to go out and have another really solid preseason probably to just get his name in the conversation for that practice squad again. He's not one of the super young guys on the roster. You've got your top three in Wyatt, Kenny Clark, and uh, TJ Slayton. You've got two rookies in Carl Brooks and uh, who am I forgetting? Um, Colby Wooden, excuse me. And then you also have Jonathan Ford, the seventh round pick from a season ago, right? So you have a lot of potential players who are likely to make the 53 already. Jonathan Ford might be even an odd man out there as the sixth defensive lineman. So he's going to have to work his tail off just to get his name in the conversation there. But if he has another preseason and training camp like he did a season ago and just keeps making flash plays, Green Bay's going to have to at least consider him. And this is one of those players where it's like, he probably ends up on a practice squad, but if he ends up getting his opportunity due, you know, due to some injuries throughout the course of the year and ends up being your fifth or sixth defensive lineman as a rotational guy, I think you can live with that. Like, I think he's a pretty decent football player. It's just the upside isn't there. So he just ends up being this journeyman who's kind of back of the roster sort of dude. And if there's ever going to be anything more than that, it's going to have to be right now that he goes out and shows that. All right, we got a handful. We got about, about 11, 10 left here. All right, Daniel Whelan is next on my list. And Daniel Whelan had a really nice stint in the XFL. And I was really impressed with his punting in OTAs and minicamps. This is a player who I thought was right there with Pat O'Donnell as you know, with, with punting. And you know, we didn't see a ton of live punting, uh, but what there was, I thought he was right there with Pat O'Donnell and it's going to compete for this spot. This is another situation where the incumbent has the advantage, in my opinion, Pat O'Donnell is one of only four players, either 30 or older on this roster. This is a young team and I've said it over and over. I don't know that there's a ton of need to keep a 30 plus year old punter on this team. Um, and if this is even close, Daniel Whelan is younger. He is cheaper. 
And I think he actually has a little bit of a bigger leg than Pat O'Donnell as well. So if, if, if O'Donnell's just better and the holding is going to be a huge part of this as well, where, you know, you, if you have a rookie kicker, you want somebody that you can rely upon to hold it, especially, you know, with a Matt Orzek who's new to the team. Or if you do go with Broughton Hatcher as a rookie undrafted free agent long snapper, you want a guy that can kind of keep all of that together. But maybe you just decide, hey, we're going to go with Broughton Hatcher. We're going to go with a rookie undrafted free agent long snapper. We're going to go with Daniel Whelan as the punter and the holder. And we're going to go with Anders Carlson at kicker. And we're just going to let these young guys develop together. You could go in that direction as well. If you want to go young, you want to go cheap, Daniel you know, Whelan would be the way to go. Uh, he's going to be in that conversation for punter with Pat O'Donnell. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think this could take through the end of preseason to really figure out who ultimately wins that punting job in Green Bay. Next up, I know you love long snappers, so let's talk about the other one. Matt Orzik, the free agent, their biggest free agent signing of the offseason, either he and him or Tavarius Moore, I guess. But uh, he is the leader in the clubhouse for the starting long snapper. He's going to have to fight off Broughton Hatcher. Like I said, Hatcher has a little bit of advantage because he's younger and he is cheaper. And that's those are big advantages when you make those 53-man roster decisions. But Orzik is the guy that they brought in, has some experience, and you could easily see a world where they want to go with Orzik and O'Donnell, especially with the rookie kicker and Anders Carlson, to give them an experienced long snapper, an experienced holder, and really let Anders Carlson get his feet wet with some experienced players rather than with a bunch of just you know combustible parts around him with a rookie long snapper, a first-time NFL punter, and uh, of course, a rookie kicker as well. So Orzik, leader in the clubhouse for long snapper. He comes in at number 69. All right, number 68 is Sean Ryan. Let's just put it this way. Yes, he was a third round pick a season ago. He's been bad and it sucks because I really liked him coming out of college. I really liked that he was a third round pick. Uh, I really liked him as a third round pick, excuse me. I thought he was going to get in the conversation for starting tackle last year. Like I thought he was going to be able to compete right away. Remember Royce Newman had to start at right tackle because of all the injuries. Yash had to start at left tackle. Bakhtiari was out. Elton was out. I thought it was going to be Sean Ryan who ultimately won one of those spots. And if he didn't win the tackle spot, then I thought he was going to win that right guard spot where Jake Hansen started in week one. He couldn't beat out Royce Newman. He couldn't beat out Jake Hansen. He looked really bad in camp. He gets suspended at the end of the year. He hasn't looked great already in many. He had an awful holding penalty that would have erased a touchdown. I think the touchdown to Jeff Cotton, actually, that I talked about earlier. I think it was that play that he might have been holding on. Either way, it doesn't matter, neither here nor there. It's not been off to a great start either. It is like it might already be now or never for Sean Ryan. Like Goody has shown that he's gonna keep his rookies their first season, like almost no matter what. And then if you don't show yourself, you could be gone. Kamal Martin, gone year two. Even though he had a lot of playing time as a rookie, gone year two. Didn't show it, gone year two. Amari Rogers took a little bit longer in season, but third round pick, gone year two. Like if you're not showing anything by year two, you could be cut. And like that is where Sean Ryan's at right now if he does not pick things up sooner rather than later. Next on my list is a player I talked about with Alex and Perry as like a now or never, Shamar John Charles. This is his third year in the league. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't had a ton of opportunity, but like it's now or never where you've got to show yourself. You've got to find something that you can contribute to. He's an okay special teams guy, but it's year three. And if you don't show that you can go out and be a solid corner and a core special teams guy, like you're not going to make this team. Like they're going to go with younger guys and they're going to let them develop instead of you. So I'm hoping Shamar can show out and show that he's capable of making a 53-man roster spot. And even if he doesn't, there's a chance that maybe he makes it as a practice squad guy. But as a third-year guy, like it is time to show what you can, you know, what you can do and that you are capable of playing on Sundays in the NFL. I haven't seen that yet from Shamar. I'm hoping he shows it in training camp this year. 
Number seven, uh, 67, 66. Sorry, my number got all off here. I think it's 66. Um, yeah, 66 is Keandre Thomas. Uh, he played, uh, you know, I think this is his third year in uh, either training camp or, um, you know, practice squads, those sort of things. He's an outside corner and outside corner is a little bit more valuable than slot guys. So he's going to play a little bit more on the outside. He can play a little bit of special teams. This is another player though, where like kind of like in the KB and Ento like sort of range where he got a few years to show what he's capable of as like an undrafted guy. Keandre Thomas is in that same spot. This is the same sort of thing. It's now or never, but I give him a little bit of a leg up on Shamar because Keandre can play outside. I've seen a little bit of better coverage skills out of Keandre, and I think he might be a little bit of a better special teams player as well. Listen, if Stokes isn't ready to go, that number four corner spot is totally up for grabs. Shamar, Keandre, Carrington Valentine, Corey Ballantyne. Like if you're a corner, you can earn that number four spot if Eric Stokes isn't ready to start the season. So totally up for grabs. And I want to see what Shamar and Keandre can do to earn those spots. All right. Next on my list is Ladarius Hamilton. Uh, Ladarius is going to have to show out. We like the depth chart at edge rusher is insane, especially if Rashawn's ready to go week one. You've got Rashawn, Lucas Van Ness, Preston Smith, Brenton Cox, Kingsley and Igbare. And then, you know, you start maybe opening up some potential conversations, but even then you've got uh, Jonathan Garvin, like it gets really, really tough to try to make this team as an edge rusher. And he's probably seventh or eighth guy on the list right now. And with that being said, kind of, um, as I was kind of talking about before, like with uh, Slayton is Ladarius Hamilton's a guy where if he makes your practice squad and he ends up having to get called up for game day and he's like your fifth rotational guy and plays a handful of snaps here and there, you can get by with it and you're okay. You can play a little bit of special teams. He's like a good enough player to do that. But again, the upside is limited. I think he's like, I think he's actually an okay football player, but like the the ceiling is only so high. And if you're not going to be able to go out and like be a big time player and you're now in your like year three or year four for Hamilton, like it's just really tough sledding. And that's where you can, again, kind of like slight and become a little bit more of a journeyman. So he's going to have to have a massive training camp if he wants any uh, conversation to be in that probably final edge rusher spot and have to beat out Garvin and probably Brenton Cox as well. And probably need Rashawn to start in the pup list if he wants to get on the 53 man roster. Next up, number 64, we've got four left here. Jake Hansen, number 64 on my list. Listen, Hansen's gotten a little bit better every single year, and that's a positive, but he didn't start in a strong position. He looked kind of like a JV player in his rookie year that needed a lot more time, ends up getting cut. Like one of the rare times they actually cut one of their draft picks, gets brought back, ends up starting a, a year ago. But here's the thing, right? He had an opportunity. He got the opportunity to start, and it just didn't go well at all to the point where you're like, Man, you're not feeling great if Jake Hansen has to go out and play any sort of significant snaps for you. And if it gets to that point, you're just ultimately left where it's like, hey, maybe you go with one of the other developmental guys. And Green Bay has a ton of developmental guys. So whether it is a Sean Ryan and he gets his name back in the good graces and you're just like, hey, there's more upside with a Sean Ryan than there is with a Jake Hansen, whether it's a Luke Tenuta, a Caleb Jones. And I know they're not like apples to apples for tackles to guard or whatever, but when you've got guys with so much versatility like Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom, it allows you to kind of keep some different players. If Jake Hansen doesn't make a significant step, I don't think he's going to find his way on a roster this year, or at least the Packers roster. Number 63 uh, is Lou Nichols. 
And this was probably like the most disappointing draft. Well, we didn't get to see Grant DuBose at all, but outside of that, like probably the most disappointing draft pick, and it's a late seventh round pick, so it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. And there's a lot of time left, and maybe once the pads come on, he can be a little bit better. Just didn't see a lot of juice from him. Didn't like, you know, he had a couple drops, like just needed to see a little bit more out of Lou Nichols. I would put him firmly behind both Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson coming out of OTAs and mini camps. And as a draft pick, um, you know, that's not ideally what you wanted to see. So just a little bit uh, underwhelmed there from Lou Nichols. In fact, if like I didn't know any better, um, and you would have like said like which running back was the undrafted guy and which one was the drafted guy, I would have probably said that Lou Nichols was the undrafted guy. Um, so we'll see what he can do. And I'm hopeful that he just shows up better in camp. Listen, don't make too much good, bad, or ugly out of OTAs and mini camps. There's a long way to go, um, but just a little bit underwhelmed from what I saw out of Lou Nichols. Number 62 on my list is Bo Melton. And Melton's a very fun player with a really exciting upside and some really uh, great speed. And they picked him up off of Seattle's uh, practice squad a season ago, put him on the 53-man roster. He was a seventh round pick by Seattle last year. This is not just your normal like throwaway player. This is a guy that they put on their 53 last year. And like I said, has some really unique traits and upside. I just think when you, again, start looking at the depth at the, the wide receiver position, he's probably number eight right now. And even Malik Heath got snaps with the number one offense where Bo Melton was down with the number twos and threes um, when they separated in those situations. So I think he has a long way to go. And there is there's some real tangible like upside there for Melton, but he's probably going to have to start the season on the practice squad and then work his way up throughout the year. And then last but not least, number 61 on my list is Danny Etling. And I was going through and looking at Danny Etling. Don't ask me why. The plus side here for Etling, this, these were his stats in preseason. Kind of like sneaky good last year. 17 out of 22, 77% completion percentage, 220 yards, 10 yards per attempt, one touchdown, no interceptions, nine rushes, 73 yards, an 8.1 yard average, and a touchdown on the ground. Like he kind of had a very nice preseason, like believe it or not. Now the issue here with Danny Etling is A, Sean Clifford is extremely likely to make the team. So Etling has to make it as the number two. If he doesn't make it as the two, he's just not going to make the team. Maybe he gets another practice squad chance, but here's the other thing. In 10 days from now, he is going to turn 29 years old. He is the fifth oldest player on this roster right now. So it's not like Danny Etling is this young, really cool developmental player. He's 29. So if he doesn't show that he can be a real legitimate backup now, it's probably just time to move on. Let Sean Clifford be the backup, which I think is ultimately going to happen. And if he doesn't, if Etling doesn't end up being the backup, like, is there really, is it worth keeping him on the practice squad? Or do you just go with an even younger player and start developing another player on the practice squad? So I like Etling as like a number three. And I think there's a good chance that he makes it on the practice squad as maybe a number three. But at that age, there's a real chance that if he doesn't beat Sean Clifford, which I think there's a good chance he doesn't, um, they may just ultimately go in another direction and he may not end up on the roster in any capacity. But like I said, a sneaky preseason a season ago. That's going to do it for me today. Tomorrow is going to be number 60 through 31. So make sure to check that out. And then of course, the day after will be numbers 30 through number one. I'm really looking forward to it. I got my full list here. I could spoil it for you, but I'm not going to. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, go Paco. Thank <laughs> you.